0: The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. So the weather was perfect. The weather was kind of like the weather that we have right now. A nice crisp spring day. And we find ourselves late at night in an upper room, and if we would be, we could be like flies on a wall, just observing what's about to happen. Thirteen men in a small room, kneeling down together around the table about to share a meal. Thirteen friends. These friends had spent the last three years, day in and day out, with one another. They were the closest of friends, Some of you may know these people. It was Jesus and his 12 disciples, and they were sitting there, and they were preparing for the Passover meal. They had spent all day preparing, and now they were going to celebrate it. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and he says, I have longed to have this meal with you before I suffer. This is the last meal I'm going to have with you, and I've longed to have this meal with you. And there's bread and there's wine on the table and Jesus takes the wine and he gives each of his disciples some of the wine and he says, this is my blood shed for you, for your sins. Every time you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body, broken for you. Every time you do this, remember me. I could just imagine being the disciples in this moment. Like, what, what is he saying? Like, he keeps, he's making these references to suffering and dying, but like, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. And Jesus looks at him and he says, one of you is going to betray me. Like, who, who's, like, we've been hanging out with you, Jesus, for the past three years. Who's, who's going to betray you? And they begin to ask around, is it I? Is it I, Lord? Like, am I going to betray you? None of them, like, what's going to happen? And Judas looks at Jesus and he says, Is I? To which Jesus says, you have said so. But I don't know if any of the disciples get it. They don't really understand like what's happening right now. But Jesus just said he's going he's to suffer and he's going to die and someone's going to betray him. And then they begin arguing about who's going to be the greatest in God's kingdom. Like they just completely miss it. Like we see this all throughout the story of Jesus. Like Jesus saying certain things and he just... <laughs> right over their heads. They dismiss it, and they start arguing, and he's like, like, just feel the weight of Jesus in this moment right now that he knows in the next couple hours he's going to suffer and he's going to die. And these guys are arguing about who's going to get to sit at his right hand. They say, Jesus, you're not going to die. Like, like, we'll go with you. Like, we've been here with you for three years. Like, all you've done is healed people and cared for people and loved people and like, you're not going to die. We'll go to prison with you. And he's like, no, you're, you're going to be like sheep without a shepherd scattered. Like, you're going to betray, you're going to leave me. And Peter, the outspoken one, it's like, no, 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 Jesus, like, I'm going to the grave with you. Like, I'll die with you. I'll die with you. And Jesus, just in a compassionate way, looks at Peter and he says, Peter, The devil was asked to to sift you. The devil was asked to destroy your faith, but I've prayed for you. But you're going to deny me, and you're going to deny me three times before the morning comes. Just imagine being Peter right there. Man, like Jesus is like one of my best, like I just spent three years with this guy. I'm not going to deny him. And Jesus says, no, you're going to deny me. So Jesus, after the meal, after they sang some songs and and hung out some, he he normally would go to this garden. And so he took his disciples, all twelve of them. He says, "Let's go, let's go to the Mount of Olives. There's a garden there, the Garden of Gethsemane, and let's let's pray there." And so it's about a mile, maybe a, a mile, a little over a mile away from where they're staying. And it's 10, 11 o'clock at night, and they start walking to this garden where Jesus normally would pray and so they didn't they didn't see anything different with it and they get there and the disciples are there and he has a bunch of them he's like hey just stay here and pray me and Peter and a couple other guys we're going to go over here and we're going to pray but just, just stay awake and pray would you just stay awake and pray and they and they walk Jesus walks a little farther with his disciples with Peter he's like you guys stay here I'm just going to go over here a stone throw away and I'm going to pray but just stay awake please and just pray and Jesus in the garden, gets on his knees before the Father. Like, just imagine this. Jesus knows exactly what is about to happen to him. He knows why he's been sent here as the Passover lamb, as the one who will take on the wrath of God for the sins of mankind. And he's sitting there, and he's in great emotional stress, and he says, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me cup of wrath. Like, he knows what's about to happen. But but not my will. Your will be done. And he gets up, and he goes back to the disciples. And there they are, sleeping. (laughs) Like, these guys just missed it. Like, they just missed the whole, like, they were just clueless to what was happening, and he's sleeping. He wakes them up, and he says, guys, the hour is coming. Like, wake up. Would you just pray with me? the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak just stay there and just and just pray with me and Jesus goes back a little farther away and he just gets on his face again and he says Father if it's your will that this cup passes from me but not, not my will your will be done and we're told that he was he had such great emotional stress that he began to, to sweat drops of blood like he just he knew that his friends were about to leave him he was going to be betrayed and that he was going to suffer this brutal punishment by the Romans. And he goes back a second time to his disciples and he sees them sleeping again. He's like, guys, just, just wake up and just, can you pray with me? And for the third time he goes back and he prays and he says to God again, he says, God, if you will just take this cup from me but not My will, your will be done. Just just put yourself in Jesus' position right now. His friends can't stay awake. He knows someone's going to betray him. He knows what he's about to experience, and he goes back for the third time. And what do you think he finds? Them asleep again. And he wakes them up, and he says, Guys, the hour is at hand. My betrayer is here. And in this dark garden around midnight, you start to see lanterns coming through the trees, the olive trees and they're leading the pack of a bunch of soldiers and religious leaders is Judas Judas Iscariot and Judas had betrayed Jesus for three hundred shekel or 300 gold or silver um, coins, which is about a month's wage a month's wage to Give a man over to die. And he had told them, I'm going to show you who Jesus is. And he kisses him on the cheek, and they realize this, this is Jesus. This is the one that we're to arrest. So Judas, who had been with Jesus for th- three years, walks up to Jesus and kisses him on the cheek. And in that moment, Men swarm Jesus to to take a hold of him, and Jesus, and Peter pulls out a sword and chops off this man's ear, and Jesus is like, no, 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 like, I've been in the temple this whole time. Why are you coming with me? With clubs and swords, and he heals the man's ear, and he says, I don't know why you guys are arresting me here. Like, I've been in the temple preaching and teaching. Like, I've been there, but the thing was, these religious leaders wanted Jesus dead. They wanted him dead and they didn't want any riot. They didn't want anything. They wanted to do it as secretively as possible without getting everyone annoyed. And so they went to the garden at midnight and arrested him. And in that moment, all of his disciples scattered like sheep. And there Jesus is, all by himself, arrested. And they take him to the religious leader's house and it's about a mile away again and just just remember Jesus hasn't slept and he's like through some emotion like he's experiencing some great emotional stress and they walk another mile to the high priest's house where they want to accuse him and they want to condemn him so they start bringing in false witnesses, people that can lie or say certain things to try to get him accused and they say that he, this man said that he was going to destroy the temple he's a blasphemer and then 70 other men called the Sanhedrin, these religious, high pre, or these religious leaders, they, they accuse him too. And they're like, yeah, that's going to be the penalty. Blasphemy. And so, since they hate Jesus so much because he's ruining their religious system, he's ruining everything they stand for, they think. They take a blindfold and they blindfold Jesus. And they begin to mock him. And they punch him in the face. And they say, prophesy. Tell us who hits you, you son of God. Are you a prophet? Like, prophesy then. Tell us who hits you. King of the Jews. But the problem was the Jews couldn't crucify anyone because they were under Roman authority. So, like, we gotta get this guy crucified. We gotta kill him. He is just a menace. So they take Jesus to some Roman leaders to Pilate first. And they say, We accused him of blasphemy. He he says he's the king of the Jews, but he's not. And Pilate's like, I don't find anything wrong with this guy. Like you guys are just bothered by nothing. Like I don't I don't see anything wrong with him. This is not my problem. Like go take him to Herod. He's Herod's he's Herod's problem. So just think about this. This is like 1 2 a.m. in the morning and they're just walking all over taking Jesus around and they take him to to Herod now. And they're like, "We need to get this guy crucified." And Herod's like, "I don't find anything wrong with him. He's not my problem." Like if if I crucify him, All the Jewish people are going to freak out. Like, I'm not going to do that. Rome's going to freak out. Like, I'm not going to do that. Send him back to Pilate. So just think about this again. So Jesus is just enduring these trial after trial after trial after trial with false testimonies, and his friends are gone. They take him back to Pilate. And Pilate says, "I, I still don't find anything wrong with him. But the high priest and the religious leaders start talking to the crowd, and they're like, we got to get this guy crucified. we got to figure this out. And the tension starts to build. He said, but I, I, don't, I don't find anything wrong with him, but I, but I have an idea. Like, I know my wife was, like, having these dreams about him, and she says not to have any dealings with him. I don't find anything wrong with him. But they have this custom of letting a prisoner go, And maybe we can do that, and that's how we can get Jesus in the the custody, and we can crucify him. She says, okay, I'll place before you this man named Barabbas, who was an insurrectionist and a murderer, next to the Son of God, Jesus, the supposed king of the Jews. And they say, I know on a holy day that you can set someone free. Who will it be, Jesus or Barabbas? And the crowd yells, Barabbas, set Barabbas free. A murderer and an insurrectionist. A man who heals, who cares, who loves, who feeds thousands and thousands of people. A murderer and insurrection. Set Barabbas free. So he sets Barabbas free and he says, Pilate goes back in and he washes his hands and he says, his blood is on you guys. He's not mine. What shall I do with him? To which again the religious leaders, he snakes We're in the crowd, and they're like, let's get him crucified. We got to kill this man. We have to kill this man. To which the crowd begins to, to bellow up, and tension begins, and they say, crucify him. Well, what should we do with him? Crucify him, they say. And they continue to chant loud, and a riot begins to grow. Crucify Jesus. To which Pilate is just like sees a riot is about to start. He says, okay, let's, we'll crucify him. That's what you want. We'll crucify him. So he turns Jesus over to the soldiers, to the Roman soldiers, and now what is about to happen is extremely excruciating, and Jesus knows this, and he hasn't sent a word against any of the charges against him, and he's been silent this whole time. So the Roman soldiers took Jesus and crucifixion would start with scourging. So they would take a giant block of wood. They would rip Jesus' clothes off so he was naked. And they would tie him to it. Bare back, bare butt, bare legs. And two Roman soldiers, ruthless Roman soldiers, would take a whip, a cat of nine tails. A small little whip that had iron balls in it and sharp sheep bones. Which was meant to dig into the flesh and then rip the flesh apart so there's Jesus tied and these Roman soldiers like I could just see you just see the evil in their face like they're so excited about this they love this and they begin to whip Jesus would tear huge gashes in his back and Jewish law would say 39 times because the 40th time would kill a man and they didn't want to kill him they wanted to leave him right on the brink just so he would suffer I can just imagine these Roman soldiers making fun of him. And they just beat him and beat him and beat him until he was a bloody pulp. Then they take him into the governor's room and there's 600 men in this room. And they begin to fall on their faces and they worship him. But they're not worshiping him. They're making fun of him king of the Jews, hey, let's put some purple robes on him. Let's put some purple robes on him and a staff in his hand, and one of the, one of the um, Roman soldiers takes a giant vine with thorns on it, and he ties it together. He's like, we'll give him a crown too, and they stick it on the top of his head, and one of them takes a staff and starts beating this into his skull. King of the Jews, are you? Ha! <laughs> they hated him. And this purple garment on him, Just imagine it absorbing the blood and then they rip off the garment, just reopening those wounds. They put back on his clothes and they take this six foot piece of wood. It's probably used a lot. I mean, wood was really, really, really expensive and really, really rare. So other men probably shared it. They would stick it over his neck and they would tie his arms to it. About 100 pounds, maybe 125 pounds. And he had a third of the mile to walk up this hill called the Place of the Skull, where they would crucify him in public. They begin this journey, You can just tell Jesus is so weak. And they find a man, Simon, and they say, Help him carry this. And another soldier walked along Jesus this whole third of the mile. And he had the charge that would be nailed to the top of the cross. Jesus, king of the Jews, that was the charge. And they walked this long, treacherous road, and people made fun of him and mocked him. And once they got up to this place where they had a whole bunch of wooden stakes up in the air like that, they would throw Jesus on the ground or whoever they were crucifying. And they'd take these five to seven inch long nails and drive them through his hands into the wood. And four soldiers would lift him up and place him on there. Then they would take his feet, take that same nail, and drive his feet into the stake. And there's Jesus, the only one who's healed people, cared for people, preached forgiveness, love, redemption, hanging bloody. It's 9 a.m. in the morning. He's just suffered this long night. No sleep, nothing. No friends, nothing. And he's hanging there. They rip off his clothes so he's naked and they barter and gamble over his clothes to make fun of him. And people in the crowd just continue to mock him. If you're the king of the Jews, come on down. Like, if you're the son of God, come on down. And he sits there. And as he experiences this brutal crucifixion, he looks at all these people that are mocking him and making fun of him, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he continues to hang there as he's mocked by two men beside him, two hanging there, alone. Three hours go by, and it's about 3 p.m. The sky has been dark for the past three hours. And people have just continued to mock him. He's hung there all alone. (laughs) Jesus looks up. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, Jesus experiences the full wrath of God on him. And Jesus cries out, It is finished! Into your hands I commit my spirit, and he dies. In that moment, there was a huge earthquake across the whole land. The graves were open, people walking out that were dead and now alive, walking, and the soldiers that were there making fun of him said, truly, this must be the Son of God, And in that moment that Jesus said, it is finished and gave himself to to God the Father, in the temple where these Jews would worship and where these Jews were offering sacrifices right then and praying for redemption and praying for the forgiveness of sins, in that moment, this veil that covered the Holy of Holies separating man and God was ripped in two from top to bottom. Why did Jesus suffer? Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus suffer and why did he die? There's many, many, many different reasons, but the one in this story is the veil. The veil here is a place that causes division that separates man from God. Since Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden, there was separation. Man could no longer be in the presence of God because of his sin. In Isaiah 59-2, it says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So why did Jesus suffer and die? To destroy the dividing wall of sin that separates us from God. To destroy the dividing wall of sin that separates us from God. Hebrews 10, 19 through 20 says, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain of that is through his flesh. So in that moment when Jesus said, it is finished, he took on the full weight and wrath of God for the sins of all mankind. And in that moment, he paid for the wages of sin by his death. And in that moment, he opened up the curtain so now we have free access into communion and relationship with our creator God. So why did Jesus suffer and die? To destroy the dividing wall of sin that separates us from God. You guys probably all know this verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So some questions I want to leave you with has the dividing wall of sin been destroyed between you and God? For the wages of sin is death and Jesus has died that death. But you must receive it. You must believe it. You must accept it. You must trust it. So if there's anyone here today that hasn't received that. Today is the day of salvation. Receive that. Believe that. Trust that. This is what Christ has done for the sins of mankind. This is what Christ has done for you. Receive it. Believe it. Is there someone in your life that you can remind of Jesus' death? We talk about this a lot at Neighborhood Church. Remembering. We come together to remember. I hope today that you've remembered and been reminded of what Jesus has done for you. Is there someone that you know that can be reminded of this, that needs to be reminded of this? Thirdly, is there someone you can introduce to Jesus? We talk about, that's why we gather together, to introduce people to Jesus. There are so many people that don't know this. And it's not just overseas, it's overseas, but it's here in Overland Park. There's so many people that never heard this story. They never never knew that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. So is there someone you can remind and is there someone you can tell and introduce to Jesus? And finally we talk about his satisfaction that is found in Jesus and in the gospel and in receiving this. Does Jesus satisfy you? Does this story satisfy you? Does it satisfy us, as neighborhood church, as a community, as neighbors, as friends, as families? Is what you were just reminded of, is it enough? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you for pain and torment you went through for this, for our sins, for our sins that we committed this week, for our sins that we committed two years ago, for our sins that we're going to commit in the future. God, you, you took on the full weight and wrath due sin, full penalty due sin. And we praise you for that. We thank you for that, Jesus. And I pray that it would expand our faith and expand our love for Jesus. And we pray this all in his name. Amen.